Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudia Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, the co-founder of Divisio, that's D-U-V-I-S-I-O, the affiliate network for companies doing good. And I have my co-host, Andrea Adams-Miller, on the air with us. Andrea is a co- the founder of the Red Carpet Connection, a company helping entrepreneurs and small business owners get out there and get more exposure, get sponsorships, etc. How are you, Andrea? I am really good. I am driving to Baltimore this morning and heading off to Miami to work at Soccer X, which is this huge conglomerate of all these major soccer players and people who work with soccer players. So super exciting things happening this week. So super excited about that. Neat. When are you going to be in Miami? Um, I will be in Miami as of um, tonight. I have to think. When am I arriving? I'll be there tonight. Oh, and how long are you there? I'm there till Friday. Oh, darn. I don't any time this week that I could come see you. Only a couple hours. Next time, give me a bigger heads up, would you? <laughs> you know, I keep forgetting that you're there. I keep wanting to put you in like Charlotte or something. I don't. I keep forgetting that you're in Florida. No, I'm that right there. That's too funny. <laughs> well, we oh, have a so fantastic funny. show lined up for everybody. Why don't you go ahead and tell them about our guest? That we do. Um, I met Angel Cade. Oh, gosh, a couple weeks ago, and she just totally uh, took me back with her awesomeness. Um, oh, you guys are hearing my, um, my uh, whatever you want to call it, my travel directions. I actually turned it off, and it's still telling me the directions. So, uh, because it's I'm actually driving, not I bad, Andrea. And it's not the bad time, at so all. I'm just going to go ahead. Just okay, good. go ahead. <laughs> Good. So Angel Cade is a consulting expert, and she has, over the last two decades, created a niche market developing effective corporate structures. Um, through her efforts, um, she's created this firm called Executive on the Go, and she has supported and consulted over, I think it's 15 or 13, I'm going by memory here, uh, local, national, and international businesses. She's recognized as the the go-to person for structured professional business needs for corporations, LLCs, nonprofits, and everything throughout the world. She's a trainer and speaker that can offer down-to-earth, real-world business experiences with the aim to solve problems and empower those people around her. Please welcome my friend, Angel. I'm so glad you're here with us. Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to be um, on the air with both of you this morning. I'm in California, so it's a little bit more morning for me. So I apologize. It might be afternoon, obviously, where where you are. But either way, happy happy Tuesday. <laughs> well, happy Tuesday to you too. And I'm um, I'm really excited because you know uh, uh, what what you may not know now. Our some of our audience knows is that Gina does consulting for multiple different businesses, and so do I. And what you bring to the table is something that uh, definitely are businesses that we work with. So as a strategic partner, you are like the awesomeness here. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit more, since I'm the one who knows all the info and all our listeners are going, so what does she actually do? (laughs) So why don't you fill them in on that? (laughs) Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, Um, Basically, uh, what I do is I help people position themselves to receive money properly. And what that means is that I empower them with a structure. A lot of people are excited in their business, in the beginning of their business, in the growth of their business, or expanding.
expansion of their business to create structure. They want to do a corporation or someone said, hey, I need an S-Corp or I need an LLC or I'm ready to take my philanthropy to the next level and formalize this nonprofit. I want to do something that has public benefit, mutual benefit, or I'm ready to start a foundation. No matter what the structure is, making sure that people understand what it is and that they're equipped with enough information uh, to be able to make the right decision on what's best for them. Typically you would say, well, I'll just go to my accountant and they'll just tell me what I need, which is fine, um, you know, which is definitely a perspective of the structure, but there's two sides. There is a legal side and there is, an, and there is a tax and accounting side. So what we do is we bridge that conversation so that our clients can ask better questions to make sure that the vehicle, the structure, is going to take them where they want to go. So we have early conversations about exit strategies, succession, acquisition, legacy, making sure that the structure can house everything in your vision for the future of your business. So it's, uh, it's a conversation that people are excited to have. It keeps them connected to their business, and it allows them to flow freely, freely in their area of strength. And so just making sure that they um, have all the pieces that they need as a vehicle to get them where they want to go. Well, thank you so much for that. So, uh, Gina, I'll, I'll start by asking another question. I'm sure Gina's coming up with some really creative uh, questions as well. So one of the things that after, uh, you know, we had talked and I've met you and I've been telling people about what you do, you know, they really are thinking about what exactly – you know, what that looks like or how, how your company actually works with them and, and how does that integrate with working with other strategic partners such as Gina and myself. So it was really funny that when I was telling about telling other people about you that they were coming up with the same questions that I would have asked about how <laughs> we work with you. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and answer that. Well, well, for um, some of our uh, partners, what they do is they um, they have us in pocket to do the document preparation. So some people would just white label, and they would uh, they know that what their client needs, and then they just hire us to white label the product. We have uh, uh, honestly about thirty percent of our business is through accountants and attorneys that just use our service to do all of the uh, all of the document preparation and all of the compliance components so we do all of the paperwork surrounding the um, incorporation um, or the organization of the entity and then all of the subsequent documents that need to be connected to it whether it's bylaws um, operation agreements um, operating agreements um, making sure that they have membership certificates stock certificates all of those pieces so they can go and open up their bank account so that's one way um, the other other way is we do have clients that align with us because our um, service fits so well with them being able to do their business. So for a lot of us that are business consultants, maybe some of you um, are doing the marketing or the exposure or the promotion or the branding, and your client is coming to you, and they don't make any sense on paper. So they've got a great idea. They've got logos. They've got stuff that's not registered. They have stuff that's not marked. They have uh, accounts that aren't set up. They don't make sense to receive their money. They're not ready to go to that next level of business. And when it comes down to even the paper, trail, they're not able to engage in relationships properly in their business name. So that would be a good fit to say, hey, you know what, let's get you connected with executive on the go. Let's get you cleaned up so that we can be ready to do business and, and take this to the next level. So being able to kind of give them back to us for a little bit of cleanup, a little bit of, um, a little bit of purging and straightening out so that they can be free to go on to those next levels. So those are some different ways that we could um, engage with each other. Well, that's perfect. Everybody needs a little spit and shine. Um, <laughs> rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gina, um, I'm going to see if you have a question. I was thinking how this could fit with Divizio with people getting people lined up for merchant accounting. Well, I know for a lot of our listeners, because I know a lot of our listeners, 
one of the questions I often get asked is, well, what the heck do I care? What kind of a structure do I have? Why do I want one thing versus another thing versus doing it this way or that? Let's take a look at how they can get more leverage in their business by doing it one way or another. Why would they want a certain way of structuring it, Angel? Oh, that is a great question. Um, So as far as leveraging the structure um, as it connects to your business, um, you would want one thing versus another because, number one, you are taxed on how you receive money. So if that's a conversation that impacts you in any way or excites you in any way or brings you, um, you know, fear in any way as far as how much you owe in taxes, then you definitely want to take a look at unpacking how you're receiving money and how you're being taxed on it. So that's one perspective. The other thing is your protection. You know, a big conversation that we have is asset asset protection and liability separation. You go into business, when you are in your business taking a risk, you want to be able to isolate the risk away from everything that you're building for your family, everything that you're building for your legacy, everything that you're trying to protect. When you take a risk in your business, you don't want to have your home at risk. You don't want to have your assets, your retirement, your other accounts at risk. So you want to separate that. So that paper trail, that distinction, those relationships, that allows you to create a line in the sand that says, look, my business is over here and personally I'm over there. So those are some of the big reasons why the structure makes such a huge difference. Now, Some people might ask, well, does it matter which structure? Well, it does based on who you are. So, for example, if you are partnering with someone, and partnerships are the most vulnerable spaces where you can be, because typically when someone says, oh, I partner with this person and we're 50-50, and I tell them, well, if you have a general partnership or a handshake, then you're not 50-50, you're 100-100, meaning that whatever your partner does in the name of your partnership, you are also responsible for. That's why an LLC would be great because an LLC exists to have the protection of the corporation and have the feel of a partnership because naturally when two people are in it, 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 has, a, um, it has a partnership characteristics, but it limits your liability to the extent to which you have ownership. So you're only responsible for your portion that you own. So that's what formalizes that relationship. So what it does is it it brings structure to whatever the intent is of how you want to do business. So LLCs are perfect for that. And then you're only responsible for your portion of the profit. You're only responsible for your portion of the taxes. And you're able to write off your portion of any losses. We have some clients that come in and they do LLCs uh, at the end of the year because they want to have a negative K-1 for the loss of a property or a loss of some activity, and they want to house it so they can get that negative K-1 to offset their other taxes. So it's a beautiful thing when you start to dance with it strategically. Maybe some of you do real estate, and you have tenants, and you have renters, and you want them to be in relationship with what? Your company. Because if there's any suit, if there's any issue, yes, you have insurance, but you want their relationship. You want that agreement. You want that contract to be with the company, and that's that limits the liability to the entity. So that's a portion of why you would want it. Uh, corporations, C-corporations, which are the granddaddy of them all, it's very private. Maybe you get benefits. Maybe you're at risk of, maybe you're getting some type of a benefit or Social Security or some type of set-aside. Maybe you're in a lawsuit. Maybe there's a judgment. Maybe there's a reason why you don't want anyone to know that you are building this business or trying to make this business work, but you need to be able to have the space and time to generate that money. Well, a C-corporation becomes your only option because it can contain it and not pass it through to you. So then now you've got some flexibility to receive money or have uh, some type of um, uh, income-producing perspective on your business without it impacting your own personal benefits or your own personal income while you're working on it, you know, while it's trying to grow. So that might be a reason. So it varies from person to person and scenario to scenario, but 
and for some people, they're not ready for a formal structure. They're a sole proprietor because they're testing out that business. But for other people, once they get into relationships, once they start to have clients, they don't want to be personally vulnerable. So, uh, so it's predicated on your risk tolerance and the nature of your business and um, your individual scenario. But there's always a reason of why you know you could or should separate it from yourself personally. Well, I'm a retired attorney, and you did a much better job explaining that than I usually do. So thank you so much <laughs> for that, Anshel. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That's such a compliment. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I, I stay for- in the heart of that conversation, really trying to help, um, you know, just, you know, regular people understand the information so that they can make better decisions for themselves. So when they get to attorneys like you, they can ask better questions, right? Exactly. And, you know, the other thing that most of our listeners are just not going to understand, but I know you probably do, that I think would be helpful for them to hear us have a conversation about is this whole idea that For most of our listeners, they're small businesses, really small. It might be Mm -hmm. themselves. It might be themselves and a partner. And I can tell you so many horror stories from clients who ended up getting sued, especially those in the real estate investing arena. And once they're sued, the attorney on the other side ends up attempting to pierce the corporate veil which is getting easier and easier every single day to do. Why is that something that entrepreneurs even need to worry about or consider in their corporate structure? Absolutely. I love that question, especially with solopreneurs and, and, and a lot of small businesses. You know, it's different than when I started 20 years ago. You know, when I when about 25 years ago, I worked I worked for an attorney in Beverly Hills who um, who actually was a collection he oh, he had a collection agency, and um, I managed a floor of skip traders uh, skip skip tracers and administrators, and it was an exciting time because our entire job was to figure out how to pierce the corporate veil with our corporate you know with corporate corporate clients and with corporate cases. And that was the space that I really began to understand the importance of paper trails, right? And so it it becomes easy to pierce when you're constantly telling everyone who you are and what you have. So a lot of it is in your conversation, and a lot of it is in how you denote that paper trail. How are you signing contracts? How are you engaging in relationships? Are you commingling funds? There's so many ways to pierce the corporate veil. So many uh, small businesses, they, they figure, oh, it's easy. I'll just use my debit card because I don't have the corporate card on me. No, if you plan to do business, do the business in the business name. Oh, well, my business, you know, it just pays my cell phone bill. No, change the responsibility of your cell phone into your business name. Begin to really look at it as a true separate entity that creates and has its own relationships so that it can then follow the paper trail so that if you get sued, when you get sued, the idea is that they only can lock into who they're in relationship with. But if there are things like commingling, and, and mixed accounts and contracts that are signed where you just find your name and you didn't find under which the capacity that you have authority or you signed and you just put owner but you didn't put any authoritative uh, area of responsibility like what officer are you or what gives you the capacity for that authority, then now all of a sudden you give the other attorney, you give the other side clear darts to point directly at you for the bullseye of piercing that veil. So you want to be conscious of how you're signing contracts, how you're engaging relationships, how you're dealing with your vendors, who's paying the money, how are you, you know what I mean, how are you writing checks? You might think, oh, I got this bill, I need to pay it. Oh, I don't have any checks for the corporate account. Let me just write a personal check. No, don't do that. That is all a part of telling a story of who's responsible for that liability. So you want to make sure 
that that paper trail is clear, those relationships are clear, your contracts are clear, and then watch how you talk about your business, even on social media. You know, like I said, this is a much different culture. It's a much different corporate culture. It's a much different environment than it was when I uh, first started in this business 20 years ago. You know, and so here we are, you know, um, now getting ready to enter into a new decade, right? And, um, and, and we're getting ready to lead into 2020. And, and the reality is that with social media, a lot of us become loose with um with the perspective of our business because there's such a collapse in our us and our business being one and so in some of the language and some of that exposure you want to be very conscious of how you're presenting the information for your business and at all times you want to protect it so that it can maintain its strength to protect you great answer very good answer and just for a listener's benefit, the reason I ask that question for your benefit is because if the other side is able to pierce the corporate veil, it's the difference between them being able to go after your corporate assets versus your corporate assets and your personal assets. And I don't know anybody who wants their personal assets being able to be reached as a result of something that occurred in their business. I'm sure you've got some really good stories from clients or your experiences with this. Anything you'd like to oh. share? <laughs> I have a, I, I do have a, thank you. As, as, as a fellow consultant knows that there's always a story. Uh, so um, definitely um, I had um, gosh, I remember years ago uh, there was a client, and um, they had had um, their they were recom- somebody recommended to them that they get um, an LLC, and um, and they they got an LLC, and they ended up getting a number of them because that's what was recommended to them, and they opened up a restaurant, and as we know, restaurants are one of the you know, they're just one of the highest turnover businesses that exists as far as, um, you know, failure goes um, in the industry, you know. And so, anyway, she had a restaurant. It was a cute little shop. It was like a little coffee shop. And um, she, had, she had put in so much money for um, leasehold improvements. She had taken out huge loans. All these things were going on. And then her husband also had a business. So it was a family of businesses, Right. And so she ran into an issue where she didn't pay, um, she couldn't pay uh, a couple of the vendors. She had an issue with the owner of the property that she was leasing and ended up in this massive lawsuit. And so when she was in the lawsuit, she came to me afterwards. So she wasn't originally my client. She came to me after she was in the lawsuit and wanted to create new entities or wanted to fix the current entities, and it was really a hodgepodge. And um, as far as piercing the veil, what happened was the original LLC was a single-member LLC. So what that means for, for some of you is LLCs originally are designed to be a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership. If one person owns the LLC on file, it is disregarded at the federal level. So what that means is that the IRS doesn't recognize the entity for tax purposes on the federal level. Well, where, when you're in a lawsuit, they're asking you for tax returns. So in the tax returns, it tells a story of what you own or what you have or what's passed through to you. So she had this scenario where the only way to stop them from going after her home by the time we were done, she had to file a series of bankruptcies because they were able to pierce through. And once they got through one LLC, they saw the next one. Once they got through that one, they saw the next one because of how it was structured. It was structured wrong for her. 
And so oh, all of a sudden, man. yeah, so all of a sudden we had to do a series of bankruptcies so that it could, you know, try to self-contain itself before it got to her home and ended up having to bankrupt, bankrupt a lot of them. And even her husband lost his business because it pierced through everything because it was disregarded. It showed up on her personal return. There were all these things that were landing on them that they thought they were protected by, and they weren't because of how it was done and also what she had shared and how she was doing her contracts. She had commingled not only herself personally, but all of the businesses. Oh, so, man. You know, so those, oh, yes. So this one business was leasing the equipment for that business and that business. It was a mess to untangle. And I, and when by the time we were done, the only way to save her home, which is what we were left with, we couldn't even save any of the businesses. But just to save her home, we ended up having to do a series of bankruptcies. And that's the nightmare that it caused. So <clears> you <throat> want to make sure what you do, it's self-contained so that you limit the liability, you limit the risk to the entity that that person is in relationship with. And for those who are real estate investors listening in on the show who are stacking LLCs and you are the LLC, basically, it's a one-member LLC, the story that Angel just shared, it is meant for you. Holy cow. <laughs> Yes, and and it could have been simple. You could change, go to an accountant and change your tax classification of the LLC so that the IRS regards it differently. Because remember, there's two sides. There's the legal side and there's the accounting side. And so people are going to yeah. pierce from whichever perspective is to their advantage. Be covered in all areas. If you're going to group LLCs, make sure you have logic behind it. You know, are you grouping it based on the cap of your insurance? Are you grouping it based on the equity in those properties so that you don't go over a certain amount at risk? Are you, you know, what, what are your, what is your logic for the grouping? And so just making sure that all of it makes sense for your goals and your risk. Wow. Fascinating. Andrea, any questions? Uh, yeah, I, I'm laughing because I'm like, I, because I, 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 I manage multiple businesses and multiple things, and I, I work very, very hard to keep everything separate and to make everything, you know, be as it should, including our personal life and everything. And and it's so funny hearing that because even when you think you're doing really well and really perfect, it still makes you like, did I take care of that? Could this be done? Could that be done better? You know, it's it's um. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's um, we'll just say that it's making me giggle. <laughs> other people, and it is a very important issue. Yeah, very I mean, other important. People, put them in panic. I mean, it could literally put them in a panic mode or whatever. And and then I'm just thinking of other friends and clients that I know that I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so at risk for other things that they didn't even realize they were doing. Um, so um, I really appreciate the value that you're sharing. I want to go back a little bit when you were talking about social media and how people talk about their businesses and stuff. If you could give some examples of things that you've seen with that, uh, the social media piece on how people, what they have done and what they could have done better. Um, so, you know, it's it's an area that can be delicate because I know that there's so many um, social media coaches that really um, talk about, um, you know, social media is such a community now where there's so much disclosure and there's so much crossing of kind of getting to know you, the person, and then um, having a little bit of vulnerability and being able to lean on community and then also integrate your expertise or your business or your influence in that space. So it's it, it, there's a lot of really great areas. But let me tell you some things that I've seen. Um, I've seen, um, you know, I've seen certain clients who have projected projected a certain level of um, of wealth or have uh, celebrated a certain um, uh, contract or acquisition um, only to have it used against them because they did not report it 
or there's no, um, you know, there's no uh, reference to it, or they wonder why um, the discovery for local business licenses or sales tax, these things are actually also starting to lean on certain uh, things that are being publicly posted on business pages to look for consistency in what's being reported. You can't report zero every year when you're, you know, bawling out of control online, <laughs> right? And 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 saying that, you know, I, I you know, we just got this or this is happening or this is going on and you've got evidence in pictures or you're posting, you know, pictures of checks I mean, these are things that people are doing, and you don't realize how could this come back to bite me? How could this how could this be inconsistent with the story that I'm filing? You know, just really kind of taking a moment to consider um, how this all looks in the story of the you know of of the whole business, one in the public profile and one that's being reported because all those things matter. You know, I had a client who was going through an audit and they were talking about how much money they were losing and how much they weren't making, and they had just posted a trip to Europe with their family. And so, and so, and so you just have to be really conscious of, you know, the story that you're telling and the consistency with how it, it, it correlates to your business and, and what you are reporting. And so those are, those are things that I've seen an increase of in terms of its inconsistency over the years. You know, you're trying to get reprieve or arrangements or you're trying to get or you're trying to uh, buy time or you're trying to tell someone, you know, a, a, you know, a story or a perspective. But yet you're, you're you know, you're posting and you're sharing or you're, you know, in, from a, you know, from a different light and it isn't consistent. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, you know, uh, you know, tell all, but I'm saying that what you do tell, make sure that it's integral and authentic to what can hold up if you are ever going to be, you know, audited or looked at for that consistency. Well, that brings up a, an important point because Be um, before you say that, Andrea, real quick. Oh, go ahead. And remember that what you post on social media is there permanently so it might not even be that you said something today or last week that could come back to bite you in the butt it could be something that you posted a year or two or three or four and that's what's coming back to bite you in the butt mm -hmm. go ahead Andrea yeah definitely uh, thank you for that, Gina. I was just thinking that, you know, one of the things that um, has come up in conversation over the last couple months is that people are um, not being authentic with um, sales and losses as well as highs and sadness in their personal feelings and their personal life as well as, as their business. And so tend to, people tend to only put sparkles and bedazzles you know, on things, and then what you're, like, what I hear is, you know, then they elevate that everything is sparkles and bedazzles, you know, so their spin on it can be different, and as a publicist, it, there's, I'm always very aware of that, that it's okay to, um, um, like, I always joke and, and sing, you know, um, the, the song from, um, oh, Chicago, you know, um, it give them the old razzle-dazzle, but razzle-dazzle mm -hmm. does not mean a lie. You've yes. got to stay integrous. So you can, you it's, it's just like anything. It's just like researchers when they write a research report or when they're writing anything. Research and the statistics can be weaved any way you want them to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, and with our news. And at the same time, we have some responsibility in that. So don't take it so far that it's misconstrued. So that And that makes me want to giggle and all of a sudden, by the way, all the information that you hear on this broadcast, is this an opinion or a voice? Uh, a discussion between the people that are talking about it. It is not actual legal advice in any means or by any sort. So, so please seek your personal counsel. 
Even from those of us who are retired attorneys, I am here as a (laughs) consultant or coach. I am not here as an attorney. (laughs) Thank you, Andrea. Uh, (laughs) Ditto to everything they said. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. You've got, you've got to, you've got to do. People have got to do their own. You know, you've got to do your own due diligence. You know, conversations, consulting, coaching—they're all meant for you to. Um, gain a knowledge and a perspective and collapse your learning so you could accelerate the time with more information. There's no reason for you to get sued if you can avoid it if you're hearing this information. There's no reason for you to, uh, you know, be, um, you know, just uh, completely thrown aback in an audit because you weren't prepared because you didn't take heed to certain information. Information is meant, um, at least good information, you know, you and what's usable for you in your own due diligence. And again, use this to be inspired, to ask better questions for your professional team of people around you. You need an attorney. You need an accountant. You need financial advisors. You need, you know, I mean, you need consultants. You need all of these conversations because those areas are not your area of expertise. You know, I, I'm, you know, it's, you, you can be, it's absolutely fine that you don't have your CPA license and that you're running a business. It's absolutely fine that you're not a bookkeeper, but you need to be able to read numbers. You need to be able to ask the questions. You need to be able to at least dictate, delegate, and point to the right spaces based on your, you know what I mean, based on your vision and your goals. I tell people, all the time look numbers don't lie people do so be conscious of the people that are around you that are involved with those numbers with the money with the gifts with the vision with the things that are valuable to you in your life so that you can get better so that you can get so you can actually be equipped for the greater success that is yours to have so just uh, take it and, and do your due diligence I'm just all of a sudden thinking of other things then too. Um, so not just not just with a business, but people don't think about if you're running for an office that 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 is actually a business as well. Um, yeah. Or at least has a business entity. So you got to think about what have you received donations for? Who are you giving kind or giving favor to? Or who have you in the past? And how can that look now? that you're running for office because it was fine that somebody said, hey, I want to, oh, you're, you know, I don't making up a story. Um, oh, your kid's graduating. I don't need this old car of mine anymore. I'll go ahead and take it. And it may not have, you know, extensive value, maybe only worth a couple hundred bucks. But a year later, you go to run for office. All of a sudden, that may look like something different, even though it had no attention of that at the time and making clear boundaries of why that was a gift, why that happened, what occurred with that. Um, because you don't know later what you're – we don't always know what we're doing later. We don't know that we might start a business later or run for office or have, you know, somebody with a vendetta against us. Absolutely, and that's why paper trail – that's why the paper trail is so important because a paper trail can prove intent. You know, if somebody wanted to gift me a car years ago, that'd be wonderful. Um, send me, you know, send me an email so that, you know, we can start the paperwork that you want to give this to me and let them explain why. Well, now I have at least your documented email. Now I have your transfer and your signature. Now I have something that equates to a story that, that then constitutes that paper trail. So just doing your best to always make sure that the intent can be captured. That's why I, be- I believe on writing on receipts. You know, you're out with someone, you know, you're paying for it, and you want, to write it up, you want to write it off, write their name, write the project, write the client, write it right there on the receipt before you scan it down so that the intent is there. Awesome. I, I have a question about that because recently I've come across this where I've told clients or whatever, like, like I am eating with them, and, and I'll say, aren't you taking your receipt? And they'll say, no, I've got my credit card or I've got my Apple Pay or my PayPal or my Venmo or whatever they've used to pay for that, you know, transaction. And I always say, well, you really need the paper trail, too. You need the receipts as well. And the credit card is another 
way to show which process you uh, paid for that or did that, but it's not the uh, reflection of exactly how that really works. And um, so if you could say more about that. <laughs> well, I, Can I, I say something this. about that first? Oh, oh yeah. I just had a conversation with an enrolled agent with the IRS about this yesterday, and immediately prior to coming onto this call, I was on the phone with the marketing director for a company called TaxBot at TaxBot.com. The answer from the enrolled agent is, just having the credit card receipts is not enough. The example he gave was, let's say you spent $500 at Walmart, and it shows up on your credit card receipt. Did you buy $500 worth of groceries, which would be a personal expense, or did you buy a new $500 Brother copier, which was $500? So you got to have both, the receipts and the credit card statements. In talking to TaxBot, they have an app. It's $9.95 a month. It runs on your phone. It is so cool what it does. Number one, anytime you buy anything, you take a picture of your receipt. At the end of the month, you tie your bank account to your TaxBot app so that at the end of the month, it imports your bank statement into TaxBot and it does what they call smart match, and it matches each transaction on the bank account or the credit card statement to the receipt. And then as it does that, it shows you each transaction. You swipe one direction to say personal, you swipe another direction to say business, and then it saves it all on PDFs to give to your tax guy at the end of the year. And it even tracks all your mileage. Every time you turn the car off, it pops up a message to say business or personal, and you swipe one way for business, another way for personal. How cool is that? That is super, super cool. I love that, and I love what it means for us to use um, technology. Um, for those of you that might already have uh, QuickBooks or QuickBooks Online, it does also allow for you to take pictures of the receipt to connect to the charges when it ports into the software. Um, it doesn't have the smart feature of denoting whether uh, business or personal, but if for those of you that have it, it does have that capability. But one thing that you mentioned, um, which I love, and this really does answer it, and this uh, tax spot, I mean, that feels good, for, especially for, you know, um, uh, for sole proprietors and for small business owners because you're constantly on the move, on the go, doing the work, and you don't want to have to uh, cipher through all of that at the end of a month, and you might not have a bookkeeper who's doing that work for you. So a lot of that can be done in advance through um, platforms like that, and I'm writing that down because that's amazing, and I know a lot of clients right now that And it does import into like QuickBooks too. Oh, perfect. Oh, perfect. Even and that's better, what you want. right? You want it to, yeah, absolutely, because you want them to talk and you want to be able to capture it so that you can get the proper financial statements and information and things that you need so that you can, um, you know, so that you can do business better, right? Um, so one thing yeah. that, one thing that um, Andrea had mentioned as far as the, one thing that Andrea had mentioned as far as like a lot of the cash apps now, you know, Apple Pay, Venmo, Cash App, a lot of a lot of ways that people are doing transactions now digitally with all of these digital platforms. The problem is that when you go to your bank account, it just says Venmo. It just says cash yeah. app. And it might have like a little code, but it doesn't say the same reason. And I thank you for that answer. And I felt very good because that was the exact same thing that I was going to say is that your credit card statements, your bank statements, they don't give you the detail of what was spent. And that's why the receipt and that detail is so important. And why it's important now more than ever to take a picture is because years ago when we had 
um, you know, this timeline of how long we were going to keep paper as we try to move to this um, paperless way of being, when you do have the physical receipt, when you go back to it in a year, when you go back to it when you're audited, like you can't even read it because the ink is gone. That's why you want to scan it. That's why you want to take a picture of it. I mean, even if, you know, you're out and you're like, oh, I paid for it. I don't need the receipt. Not a big deal. Like, take a picture of it. And there's so many apps and versions. And you just had that amazing example with the taxbot.com. There's so many tools out there that allow you to just digitally take the picture so you don't have to keep it. But it's money. It is money to you. It is real money. It expands what you're able to write off, and it leverages what you're spending. Because remember, if you're in a formal structure, you are being taxed on net profit. So everything that you can write off is is now a deduction pre-tax. So that becomes yep. the beauty of it. So you don't want to waste what you're able to save in taxes because you don't want to have the paper receipt or you don't want to keep it in your pocket or you don't think that it's valuable when we're, when in reality it is real money because you're leveraging it with pre-tax dollars for those of you that are in formal structures and businesses. And for many, many, many years, I always thought you only had to keep your receipts in your records for seven years. I am here to tell you from personal experience, at one point, the IRS came and said, I had not filed or paid my taxes from 2001 through 2014, which was a pile of horse hockey. Number one, it's 13 years. How can they go back 13 years? I thought they could only go back seven. Nope, they can go back forever if they so choose. And the stupid part in my case was, I actually had both filed and paid all of my taxes, but I only had seven years' worth of records, which meant 2007 through 2014. I did not have 2001 through 2006 at all. And let me tell you, it was a nightmare for a very long time. Now, if I have something like TaxBot and I've got all my records digitized, I don't ever have to worry about it. It's going to be there forever as long as I keep my data. Absolutely, and that's why it's so important to have some type of cloud-based digital system because even when you get that data, let's say from TaxBot, and let's say in 10 years you don't, you're you not using them or you use a new one or there's a different one that comes out, as she said, all of those things, all that data can be exported into other data platforms and it can be exported into PDFs. So those of you that like yep. you don't get your bank statements, you know, and all of that stuff, it's great. It comes in a PDF, just download it when it is available and save it on your cloud. Oh, well, the bank has it. Well, they're not responsible to keep it forever. And after you've gone past their their statute of limitation of keeping it available to you online, because they're not going to keep your data forever, then you've got to pay them to go back into Microfish to retrieve what they've already archived because it's beyond those years, but now you need it. But if you would have downloaded it as a PDF when it was available and you had it, you wouldn't need to pay for it and you wouldn't need to go after them to get it. So just keep that in mind as you're accumulating data to convert it to a PDF, something that's readable and usable for you, and then save it into your cloud-based system. Those are definitely things and that are going to protect you. Mm-hmm. Wait till you hear this comment. And for those of you who bank at small banks, especially credit unions, in 2015 when this nightmare happened with the IRS, I now have to go back and try and get all my data from 2001 through 2014. Well, from 93 until 2005, I banked at a local credit union. My business account and my personal account were both with the credit union. The credit union went out of business in 2006. They closed their doors. There is a federal agency that kept their data, but it's only required to keep their data for two years after they closed. So by 2015, seven years later, 
all of my records from 2001 through 2005 were gone. Business and personal both. Couldn't even pay to get it, even if I so chose. Wow. So, big lesson, guys. Big, big lesson. Yeah. Very interesting. So, it almost seems like now you need to go back and do a skip trace on yourself. Look through. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Look through. Look through photos of where you were, what you did. Look at calendar. I, I have to admit that I, I, when I had a written calendar, I had one of those that looks like a diary kind of, and I wrote everything in it. I mean, everything. Of course, now I think, oh, gosh, it was personal and professional, so that all crossed over if I ever was pulled in. They'd want to know what all these little, you know, like everything from, you know, uh, I'll just be TMI here, you know, when your menstrual cycle is, you know, everything is in that book. And it's so funny because now I have stuff online, and I still track all that stuff online, but not as much because I forget to write it down because there's something cathartic about writing things down that you remember them not only in your head but through the the act of writing where I don't have that memory from digitizing things. And then I actually had one of my cloud uh, calendars, something happened to it, and I lost um, like five years' worth of digital calendar. So I have no recollection of what I did during that time, so I don't have that as a backup. But the years that I tracked and wrote everything down, and probably until 2009, is I think 2009 or 10 is when I started doing a digital calendar, um, I have everything that I ever did every day. I, I mean, I, you can go through and see my entire life and, and know it. Now, the nice thing about it being digital is if you go to search, you can find it. You know, like, oh, when was you know, such and such event, but at least physically, you know, you could, you have something written down. So I've actually thought about going back to a physical calendar for that very reason, because things accidentally get deleted and we don't know why or who put that on there and you can't figure out, especially when you have multiple people managing your calendar. And like I, I have seven different people's calendars that I manage. And so it's, you know, very precarious. And if they change something and I, I didn't, and then they're asking me about it, I don't know if they deleted it or what. So yeah, uh, it's just, I, I'm loving this whole going. I yeah, I make making me miss paper. <laughs> no, I I love I love. Well, before you we run out of time, I want to make sure that Angel lets everybody know where they can find her. <laughs> Thank you. I um I can be um I can be reached. My um website is execonthego.com. E X E C on the go. Dot com. So, um, and then also, um, I'm on Facebook. Um, I do have an executive on the go page, but um, I am Angel Cade, A N G E L E, and Cade is my last name, C A D E. Um, also, um, anyone that's listening to the show, please feel free to call my office, and I will be more than happy to set up a free uh, consultation if you have specific questions or you're interested in um, getting a structure or getting an assessment, just give our office a call. The number is area code 818-886-4895. Again, 818-886-4895, and it's execonthego.com. And, Andre, if you wouldn't mind... After the show is over, would you mind connecting Angel and I? Angel, I'm going to have a separate conversation with you. One of my main clients has a very unique proprietary trust that is unbelievable, that can help okay. your clients get even better uh, asset protection and okay. massive tax mitigation benefits. It can reduce oh, taxes wonderful. by 78 to 97%. Wow. Okay, definitely. I'd and, love to hear it, about it. It's basically deferring taxes in perpetuity, which could be hundreds and hundreds of years from now. But I, I have a feeling that you have a ton of clients that could use that, and we pay very, very, very nice commissions for referrals. So let's have a okay. separate conversation about that. Love it. Thank you. You're welcome. So what else do you think our listeners should know, Angel? <laughs> 
Um, I, I would just say that, um, you know, they should um, they should really uh, look at the, the, the businesses that they're forming, you know, just really take heed and take notice that, that what you're doing is a business. It's legitimate. It's powerful. It's able to, um, you know, change your community, change the world, but you've got to start treating it like a business. And you've got to give it the credibility, the separation, the um, ability to be viable. You've got to begin to feed it what it needs to be as successful as possible. And it starts with you not only um, investing in the business, but making sure that the structure is right, making sure that you're giving it a chance to succeed. And it really does, um, you know, start with uh, start with you. And so just uh, be open to the information, be open to the inspiration, be open to being empowered to ask better questions. There's no there's no time that's too late to start. Just start now with making these tweaks and adjustments. Don't worry about the past. Oh, I did this wrong or this isn't right or I'm starting too late or it, it might not be for me. Don't worry about any of that. Just focus on what you've been given as far as your own ideas, your own product, the things that you do, and being a conduit for what other people need and the people that you serve. Your business is important. Your business is needed. And businesses, small businesses across the board, they're the fabric of what makes us great in this country because our country here, one of the things that I pride myself on is the fact that we produce the most self-made millionaires in the world. And there is plenty of room. When you think about a million dollars for some of the listeners, and I'm not sure their socioeconomic status or the demographic, but for some people, a million dollars seems like a lot. For for others, a million dollars is really close. For some others, maybe you're, um, you know, you, maybe you you want to be uh, even greater than that. You're looking at a hundred million, two hundred million. Small business is anything fifty million and other under, and the average business is, average small business is doing under two hundred thousand. And so there's room for us to grow. Let's grow together, and be able to embrace the success that belongs to us. So I just wanted to share that with you guys, and um, let's go get it. We're at the end of 2019. 2020 is here, and, and let's be ready for it. There's great things to come. Oh, I love that. And truly, we have listeners who have businesses from the very low, low, low five figures, even four figures probably, and I know for a fact that I have listeners that go above $500 million a year and everything in between. So it doesn't matter what size your business is. The stuff that Angela shared with you today is equally important to each and every one of you. I can't think of any exceptions to the rule. Can you, Angel? <laughs> no, it applies to all of us. And we always got to do a self-check and assessment of where we're at at every level because there's always room for growth. Really, truly is. Andrea, anything else to add? Well, just to remind everybody that, you know, uh, to to, to document things, you know, just start writing things down and, and whether you do it digitally or, um, well, actually do it both. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what I got from the consensus today is physically write it down and digitally enter it as well and then back up everything because uh, as we're, we're learning, you know, things happen from the past that we need to um, be able to be integrity about. It doesn't mean that you weren't of integrity. It just means that other people need validation that that's what happened in your life. So you write things down, keep track of them, and so that way you're always being the one who's being preventative and anything that could go forward in your future and that you're the one that's in control of your life. And this also applies to nonprofits, for-profits. doesn't matter what kind of business you have. It applies to everybody equally. Thank you so much, Angel. This was a fantastic show today. I will probably be referring to it for many years to come. I have conversations about these topics almost every single day. 
So I have a feeling I have tons of people coming in your direction. And let's make sure you and I connect in the very near future in the next couple of days. Absolutely. I, I look forward to it. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. It was my honor and pleasure to share with you and your audience. And I look forward to hopefully being able to do some other things in the future. And let this just be the beginning. I totally agree. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week here on Leverage Masters. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.